going to be reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all of the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Josie. Thanks, Marguerite. Um, I was homeschooled growing up, and so I never had to read in front of people. And so every time someone reads in front of someone else, I'm like, whoa, you can do that. That's a thing. So very impressed. Way to go. Proud of you. Like CJ said, my name is Josie, and I get to share this morning about uh, Colossians, Colossians 2. And um, last week, Nicole shared with us a story about a lie that she believed. Today, I'm going to share with us a story about a lie that I told. All right, I am not the hero of this story. I just want to put that out there. Um, so don't worry, don't worry. Um, but when, when I was growing up, I, I have three brothers. Two of them are older and one is younger. And the younger brother, his age gap between us is larger than any of the other age gaps. And so me and my older two brothers, time to time, would tell him little lies. Some of them are pretty small. He may have believed in Santa Claus. Hopefully there's no kids in here. Um, for longer than he should have, um, he maybe got pizza rolls stolen off his plate a time or two through slight deceptions given to him by me and my older brothers. But one day, me and my brothers, we were sitting around, and we were like, we're pretty bored. Like, <laughs> what should we do with our day? unsure we don't really have much going on so maybe let's lie to Daniel let's tell him something that will really just make his life completely different than it already is and Daniel was three at the time and I think that's I'm he was probably three is that when you get potty trained I think probably three. Okay, yeah, three. He was like three years old and we were like we should unpotty train my brother and you know what we're going to do. We're going to lie to him and we're going to tell him over and over that peeing your pants is really cool. <laughs> and so we did it. We made it happen. And at that point, he was so potty trained that we had like no diapers in our house. Like it was long gone. It was past. And so my mom literally, she was like, cool, now I have to go to Walmart and I have to go buy diapers and I have to retrain this kid how to go to the bathroom in the big boy potty, all right? And I know many of us, I mean, especially when we are younger, we have probably been told a lie or two. I know even, I mean, this is just a confessional at this point, but even to this day, there are times when a kid is like, hey, can I try that snack? And I'm like, oh, it's like really spicy. Like you won't like it. <laughs> I promise. Okay. Or lies that we have been told when we were younger, maybe like, hey, 
um, if you swallow that gum, it's going to be in your intestines for like seven whole years. So watch out, all right? And the thing is that lies, if given the power, have the ability to shape and change the way that we live our day-to-day lives. They shape our reality. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. The title of my message is The Truth About Lies. The Truth About Lies. And before we dive in, um, I just want to set the contextual stage for us here, all right? So Colossians is a book that is written by a man named Paul who had a radical transformation happen to him where he persecuted Christians and one day he was walking down the road and the Holy Spirit encountered him. He gave his life to the Lord and he began speaking and preaching the gospel to tons of different cities. He went on multiple missionary journeys to the known world at the time and spread the good news of Jesus. And so he has some co-workers in Christ. One is named Epaphras, and Epaphras goes, and he hears about the good news from Paul, and he goes to to Colossae, and he begins to speak the good news to them. And these people, they give their lives to Christ and are following the Lord, and then one day a bunch of stuff happens, and they are put under pressure by Gnostic thought, by Gnostic belief, and by Judaistic belief, legalistic belief. And so they are under pressure. And so Epaphras, he goes to um, he goes to Paul, and Paul is in prison, and he's like, hey, like these people, they are under pressure. They need help, okay? They are believing things about you that are not true, that do not come from the scriptures. And so Paul writes this letter to the Colossians, and he's like, hey, we have some news to tell you. The things that are being told to you, they are not biblical. They are not what Jesus came to do on the cross. So Paul writes this letter. Thank you. Paul writes this letter because Paul wants the Colossians to be rooted in Christ. He wants them to be rooted in Christ, which brings us to verse 6 and verse 7, where we will pick up here, and it says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Guys, drinking water in front of people is like really awkward, but just bear with me. I did it. <laughs> you made it worse. I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, so what we have here, we have a couple of metaphors, and when we see metaphors in scripture, we dive into them and we figure out why they are there. All right, so some of the metaphors here, we have walk in him, be rooted in him, and be built up in him. So the word rooted here is written, the Bible or the New Testament was largely written in Greek, And when we look at the Greek language, we can see a ton of beautiful things about scripture that we don't necessarily always see in our English translations. And so when we look at these metaphors, we see the word rooted is written in the perfect tense, which means it is complete. It is done that when you have received Christ, you are rooted in Christ. He is the source of all of your nutrients. He is the source of all of your truth and all of your knowledge. And then walk in and be built up in and then even established in the faith are all written in the present tense. They are written in such a way that alludes to something that continues to happen from the point of salvation. And so Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, be rooted in Christ. He is the source of everything that you need. And then from that place, continue to walk in him, continue to be built up in him and continue to establish your faith on him. 
And then toward the end of these two verses, we see just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. In some translations, they translate this as overflowing with thanksgiving. And this is a way for us, thanksgiving is a way for us to stay rooted. So he's saying, hey, things are going to come against you. No matter what, no matter where you are in your faith, things will come against you. But use thankfulness as a tool to stay rooted in the things of Christ. And thankfulness here, it kind of, I feel like the way that it's translated into the English kind of makes it seem like something that just happens to us, that we will just automatically be thankful. But just as we were kids, and or if you have kids, you train them to be thankful. When people give you, give your child something or gave you something when you were a kid, your parents would say, what do you say? And you say, thank you. And you get trained in the way of being thankful. And the same is true for us here. This word is written as an active participle, which means it is a deliberate action that we take to go forth in the things of God. It is something that we remind ourselves of continually to allow ourselves to stay rooted in the things of God. Some psychologists, they've done some studies that prove that when people are thankful, they actually begin to, they're prefrontal cortex, sound really smart, the front of their brain, I think that's the front, um, yes, yes, it's the front, all right, my nurse friends confirms, <laughs> um, it begins to change and shift, that your brain literally rewires itself when you deliberately act thankful, when you deliberately stand in gratitude and thankfulness, and you begin to live a more generous life, and you begin to breed more thankfulness, that thankfulness breeds more thankfulness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he is a German theologian who was martyred in World War II at an internment camp for speaking the gospel, for declaring the name of Jesus. And he has written many different books, but something that he said about thankfulness I think is so true. He said, in ordinary life, we hardly realize that we receive a great deal more than we give, and that it is only with gratitude that life becomes rich. You can have and you can gather and you can collect all you want to collect, but if you are not thankful for the things that you have, your life will still be dull. So with this, I urge us today to go on a scavenger hunt, go on an evidence hunt for the things of God to seek out the things of God and to find the areas in your life where he has proven himself faithful to you and remind yourself of those things continuously so that you can stand in thankfulness and continue to be rooted and built up and walking in the things of God. Paul was reminding the Colossians here, he was reminding them to stay rooted because the Colossians were tempted to stray from Christ. There were pressures coming against them that were tempting them. And this is what brings us up to verse 8 here where it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. This chunk of scripture, verses 6 through 10, is really kind of the key passage for the entire book of Colossians. It is where Paul hits the nail on the head and he's like, hey, pay attention. And this verse in particular is really where he addresses with us. He says, hey, this is the, these are the pressures that are coming against you. 
These are the things that are coming against you, so beware. Do not let them take you captive. And they're tempted by a couple of things. They're tempted by a lie about freedom, and they're tempted by a lie about acceptance. And the first of which comes from the Gnostic thought, the Gnosticism that was going all around the Greek, Greek area, Greek all around Greece. Um, it was going <laughs> all around Greece. And uh, the Colossians were being hit by these uh, thoughts, by the Gnostic thought. And so people who were Gnostic, they believed a lot of different things. They believed that Jesus didn't actually die and rise again, that it was all an illusion. They believed that Jesus was just another god. And they also believed that all matter was bad, so it didn't matter what you did because it's bad anyway. So why not? Why not do your own thing? They said, don't deny yourself because... It doesn't matter. Nothing really matters. And so in this, we see a couple of things that kind of parallel to our culture now. We see this idea that, that the Colossians, that the Gnostics, they were kind of the originators of be true to yourself. They were the originators of speak your truth, do your own thing. A life of autonomy is the life that you want. They had this lie going around in their area. And then they also had a lie here about freedom. They thought freedom meant you can do or be whatever you want. Sound familiar? Or, mm, not or, um, <laughs> or they said you can do or be whatever you want. And it wasn't kingdom freedom. Kingdom freedom is the freedom that says, hey, you have the freedom to say no. You have the freedom to say no to things that are coming against you. And so these people are like, hey, do whatever you want. Be true to yourself. Go live your life. Here's what freedom looks like. They also played to the just innate nature of ourselves to, to be curious and to want to be in the in crowd. And they were like, we have this secret knowledge we have this secret thing that I know that you want to hear, so listen up. And so all of these people are like, should we? Like, should we do this? Should we fall into this lie about who God is and begin to believe something different about him? Or do we stay rooted? And then the next camp is the camp who was tempted by a lie about acceptance. These people were covered in legalistic thought and human tradition. And they believed that you had to follow the Old Testament laws, that you had to earn grace, that you had to work for the things of God, that the more you did for God, the more favor you would have from God. And so they thought, hey, rather than working from a place of surrender and just intimacy with Christ, how about let's work for God and try to gain favor with him? So they dismiss the work of the cross here. They dismiss what Jesus did when he came and he died on the cross. And they say, hey, we're going to try to finish in the flesh what Jesus began in the spirit. And so Paul is here and he's like, guys, we've got it all wrong. This isn't it. There's more. There's more that I want to show you. There's more that God has for you. So in summary, Paul is saying, hey, guys, Colossians, listen up. You're looking for identity. You're looking for freedom. You're looking for belonging in all of the wrong things. You've forgotten 
that you are rooted and you are built up in Christ. They've forgotten that freedom and acceptance is found in Christ. Which brings us to verse 9 and verse 10. Verse 9 and verse 10 say this. They say, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. What Paul is doing here is he is flipping the Greek thought on its head. In the Greek, in the original language that this was written in, the word fullness is the word pleroma, and pleroma is kind of like the Gnostics, like Godhead. Like they sought after the pleroma. They were like, this is the thing that is going to give us life. This is the thing that is going to allow us to go after the things that we're, we are called to. And so Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, the pleroma, the thing that you are seeking after is actually fully in the person of Jesus. You are looking in all of the wrong places. You are surrendering yourself to all of the wrong things. Paul was combating the false teachers who were saying we are not fully accepted by God, but that we have to earn it through spiritual manipulation and knowledge seeking. So he's saying here, hey, we have everything that we need to be holy. Verse 10 in other translations says this. It says, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. So verse 9 is like, God is fullness. And then verse 10 is like, because of his fullness, you have been brought to fullness. It is only in him where we will find true completion, where we will find true acceptance, where we will find true freedom. And it is only through him that we can do these things. So he's saying stay rooted. Stay rooted in the things of God. Allow him to transform and renew your mind daily. Surrender to him. Walk in him. Be established in him and allow him to be your source of light. When we take a bird's eye view over this passage, we see kind of like a little in him Sammy, all right? There's a sandwich here that we can see when we zoom out and look at this scripture. And here in, in verse 6, we see him saying, Paul saying, hey, walk in him. In verse 7, it says, be built up in him. In verse 9, it says, for in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells. And in verse 10, it says, you are filled in him. When we look at this and we see things repeated in scripture, just like we do with metaphors, we have to pay attention. We have to look at them and say, hey, okay, what does this mean and what is God saying? What does it look like to live a life that is truly in him? And what that looks like is a daily life that is surrendered to the things of God. It is a daily life that goes away to be with the Father, to listen to his voice. I'm going to have Madison come back up and begin to play for us here um, as we continue on and begin to respond. But I just, one of the things um, that I feel like I know God is, is teaching me and revealing to me just in a season of transition that's been a lot harder than I anticipated is that the greatest spiritual battle that I am ever <laughs> going to fight is the one that's in my head. The greatest spiritual battle that we will ever fight is the one that is in our head. In John 8, 44, it says that the enemy is the father of lies. 
He is the deceiver. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the way that he does that is by lying to us, by getting into our heads, by playing into our insecurities, by showing us or trying to tell us that we have to earn something to be able to come before the throne, that we have to do something to come before the throne as if we are powerful enough, as if we are good enough to be able to do what Jesus already did for us. We see so many times in scripture, Jesus in the gospels, he goes away to be with the Father. Jesus, a part of the Trinity, he goes away to be with the Father, to hear the Father's voice when he is going, when he is pressured, when he is under pressure, when he's being tempted and swayed in different directions, he goes away to be with the Father. So we must adopt the actions of Jesus here. We have to go and be alone with Jesus. We have to surround ourselves with godly community that will hold our hands up when we can't hold them up ourselves. We have to commune with the Father. We have to commune with fellow believers. And we have to live a life of deliberate and transformative gratitude, holding fast to the things of Jesus. Because when we do this, all the false visions and the false voices coming against us will fall to the ground. We must learn to hear the Father in the midst of all of the voices screaming out around us. Because the Father, he's leaning in and he's telling us a different story than the enemy. He's telling us, hey, you are loved. I have more thoughts about you than the grains of sand in the world. I knit you together. I formed you. And there are lies that are coming against you, whatever they may be. Whether it's about your identity, whether it's about freedom, whether it's about acceptance or belonging. Whether it's about your worth, he's saying, hey, those fine-sounding arguments, they may sound good. But when you need them, they can't hold you because they haven't gone from death and back to life again. So he's leaning in and he's saying, hey, come away with me. Trust me. Come deny yourself with me. And I will show you the fullness that I have in store for you. The full life, the life and life abundant he has for each and every one of us. So can we stand this morning as we respond? Maybe, maybe you're here today and you've believed the lie that you have to do life alone. You've believed a lie that, that he isn't good enough, that you're not good enough for him or whatever it may be. I want to extend an invitation to you today to step into relationship with Jesus. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know everything that there is to know about God. But what you get to do is you get to say, hey, I want to know who you are. I want to be in relationship with you and I want to walk with you and discover daily what it looks like to surrender my life to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you are in person or online with us today, I want to give this invitation to you. No one is looking around But if you're here and you want to step into a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to invite you to just raise your hand. And what this is is an act of surrender. 
It's an act of saying, hey, Lord, I want this relationship with you. So if that's you today, go ahead and raise your hand. Awesome. And we, as a church, as a community, we are just going to pray together and pray this prayer after me. And if you rose your hand today, I'm going to encourage you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. So dear Jesus, thank you that you are truth. Thank you that you died on the cross for my sins. Lord, I want to be in relationship with you. Let's begin this journey together today. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here and you have fallen into the trap of following human tradition. Maybe you've been doing a lot for God, but you haven't been away with God. You've cleaned yourself up before going to the table where the real work is done. You said, I have to make sure that I present myself holy. But God's saying, hey, no, come to me. Let me wash your feet. Let me cleanse you. Maybe you're here today and you believed a lie about your identity. You've looked to other things before looking to the Father. Or you've believed a lie about what true freedom looks like, and he wants to renew that in you, or whatever, insert whatever lie it may be. I want to pray for those of us today, and I'm right there with you in this season of hardship and, and believing lies about my own identity that aren't true, that aren't of God. So Jesus, we lift up ourselves to you today, God. We ask that you would come. We ask that you would cleanse us of these lies, that you would remind us what it looks like to stay rooted in the things of Christ, to allow you to be our true source, to allow you to be the one who gives us all truth, Lord. God, we are sorry. We repent of the lies that we have believed, of the things that we have held up before you. God, we bring ourselves back to our knees and we say, Lord, come. Reveal to me, show me right now, Father. Show us right now, Father. The lies that we have built up, the things that we have believed that aren't you. And remind us of your faithfulness. Remind us of what it looks like to live a life of gratitude, of thankfulness, of surrender to you, Lord. God, we love you, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you like, subscribe, and share it with a friend? 